Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The climate that we live in, I think it necessitates that we have to equip ourselves. We have to understand so that we can respond to people. The Bible does tell us to sanctify the Lord in our hearts and to be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks us a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And so we have an obligation as Christians to know what we believe. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian begins his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins this series with his teaching on Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 in a message titled, There is a God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. What an exciting book to study. You know, the Hebrew title of Genesis is actually in the beginning. The word Genesis is a Greek or comes from a Greek word that means origins or generation or source or beginning. And so this is the book of beginnings. And in it, we find the only true, sensible, and reliable account of the origin of all the basic entities of the universe and life. In this book, we find out how it all began. The origin of the plants and animals, the origin of man, the origin of the various institutions that we know, the origin of marriage, family. Of course, we find in this book the origin of sin, evil, suffering, death. We find in this book the origin of government, culture, languages, nations, the chosen people, worship, atonement, salvation. So many things are here in this foundational book. And, you know, as a matter of fact, without the book of Genesis none of the rest of the Bible would really make any sense. Oftentimes, people mistakenly say, oh, well, you know, Genesis, that isn't that important. You know, that, that's just talking about all those things that happened way, way, way back when. You know, the important thing is the gospel. The important thing is Jesus and the message of salvation, which, of course, it's true that is important. But without Genesis you don't even have a basis for the gospel itself. You don't have any background or or premise for the gospel. And so a vitally important book. Now, many hotly debated topics in our culture today are addressed in this book of beginnings. Topics like atheism, moral relativism, evolutionism, occultism, divorce, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, racism, crime and punishment, abortion, euthanasia, 
genetic engineering, and all of these kinds of things that we're currently talking about in our culture today, these things are either directly or indirectly addressed in this book of Genesis. And so we're going to find that the study is extremely relevant to life in the 21st century. That's why I'm excited about teaching the book, because I think as, as we go through, and especially these early chapters, there are so many things that we're reading about in the newspaper, so many things that we're, we're hearing about on the news that we're going to find a biblical response to. And, and of course, that's something that is important for us today, to be able to give a response to people from the scriptures regarding these important issues that we are facing in our culture today. Now, the book of Genesis can be divided up in several different ways, but I think the best division is to see the book in two sections. The first section of Genesis is found in chapters 1 through 11, and it is marked by four great events, creation, the fall, the flood, and the dispersion at the Tower of Babel. The second section, beginning in chapter 12, revolves around the lives of four great men, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And so our approach to studying Genesis is going to be somewhat topical in that we're not necessarily going to look at each and every verse of Genesis, although I would encourage you to read through Genesis many times over as we go through it. But we're going to look at it more from sort of a topical approach, and we're going to look in depth at, first of all, the four great events, and then we're going to look in depth at the lives of those four great men. And so from these you know, different events and these different men, we will, we will draw out many different studies and many different lessons. But before we get to the, the first great event of creation, we must begin with the subject of God himself. And of course, that's where Genesis begins. In the beginning, God. Genesis actually begins with the fact of God. As you've noticed, there's no attempt to argue for God's existence. His existence is assumed. You know, the existence of God from the biblical standpoint is what, what we might call one of those self-evident kinds of truths. You know, there are things that are just obvious. And from the biblical standpoint... God's existence is in that category, something that is self-evident. And anyone denying the existence of God is declared to be a fool according to the scriptures. Now, we live in a highly charged atmosphere of skepticism in regard to the existence of God. Some speak as though science has proven Beyond the shadow of a doubt, there is no God. 
a physicist by the name of Victor J. Stenger. He's written a book. It's fairly popular at this time. And the title of the book is God, the Failed Hypothesis. Now, as some of you know, I was just traveling and I spent a little bit of time in various airports. And one of my uh, favorite pastimes in the airport is to browse through the bookstores. And as I was browsing through the bookstores in Heathrow Airport, I noticed these titles in the nonfiction section. The God Delusion, God is Not Great, and The End of Faith. These books are in the nonfiction section. And we see that there is a real onslaught, an aggressive attack here in the Western world against the idea of God. Let me give you an example of some of the rhetoric coming from the so-called new atheists. There's, there are a group of men today who uh, see themselves as, as the new spokesman for atheism. They consider themselves uh, brights. The implication is they're smarter than everybody else. And through their brilliance, they have determined that there is no God. And, and listen to some of the things that these men are saying. I, I just want to give you an idea of, of the hostility and of the, the animosity that's coming from this particular group. Physicist Steven Weinberg He stated this, he said, anything we scientists can do to weaken the hold of religion should be done and may in the end be our greatest contribution to civilization. Christopher Hitchens, the author of the book, God is Not Great, he said this, all religions and all churches are equally demented in their belief in divine intervention, divine intercession, or even the existence of the divine in the first place. And then Richard Dawkins stated, The great unmentionable evil at the center of our culture is monotheism. From a barbaric Bronze Age text known as the Old Testament, three anti-human religions have evolved. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So with these kinds of vitriolic tirades becoming more and more the norm in our culture, I believe that we need to equip ourselves today to respond to these kinds of things. You know, oftentimes when I've taught Genesis over the years, I, I have honestly wished I lived in the days before Darwin. I thought, you know, how nice it would be to just get up and teach it, you know, just from the standpoint that it, that it was written from, without having to go into all of this defense of the faith and so forth. But the, the climate that we live in, I think it necessitates that we have to equip ourselves. We have to understand some of these things, at least, so that we can respond to people. The Bible does tell us to sanctify the Lord in our hearts and to be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks us a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And so we have an obligation as Christians to know what we believe, to, to get a grip 
an intellectual grip on the things that, that the scriptures teach and to be able to respond to these kinds of attacks and these types of things that are becoming more and more frequent. So in light of that, I thought it would be good to just look once again at some of the arguments for the existence of God. And there are many excellent arguments for the existence of God. We don't have time to go into the detail of all of them, but I just wanted to take a few moments and touch on a few of these arguments for the existence of God. And so we begin with what is known as the cosmological argument. So these are arguments that have been developed and and uh, utilized over, over many centuries of debate with people who were atheistically minded and so forth. But the, the cosmological argument is the argument that states that the universe is an effect which must have had a cause. Dr. David Rosevere, professor at Portsmouth University in England, He stated this in regard to the cosmological argument. He said, the law of cause and effect states that the effect cannot be greater in size or in kind than the cause. No exceptions to the law of cause and effect have ever been observed. It follows that every effect we see in the universe must have had a cause, and we can trace all effects back to a first cause. The first cause of time must be greater than time, in fact, eternal. The first cause of space must be greater than space, namely, infinite. The first cause of all energy in the universe cannot be less than the sum total of that energy. The first cause is omnipotent. By similar logic, we can consider all the information not just the intrinsic properties of matter, but the genetic information in all the varied forms of animal and vegetable life and conclude that the first cause must also be omniscient. So here's a man, a very capable man, a scientist, and going on this cosmological argument, he shows that there's no place at any time under any circumstances where this law of cause and effect has not proven to be intact. And so the argument is, since we are an effect, there, of course, had to be a cause going all the way back to that first uncaused cause who, of course, would be God. Another of the arguments for the existence of God is what is called the teleological argument. And these are fancy words with rather simple meanings, actually. But the teleological argument is the argument that states where there is a design, there must be a designer, or where there is purpose, there must be one who has purposed it. This is the teleological argument. And on throughout the centuries, the teleological argument has been used many times over. But in the past, and of course it was valid then as well, but in the past they would often argue from that which was obvious, that which was observable, the design that we see in nature that we see with the naked eye. 
But in the past few decades, the teleological argument has become even stronger. And essentially, it's become irrefutable. And it's become irrefutable because of discoveries in the realm of science where we now know things that we did not previously know. And particularly, we know things about the cell that we did not previously know. You see, Darwin was able to get a a foothold and he was able to advance his theories to some degree because people assumed that the cell was simple. But the fact of the matter is, we have discovered that the cell is extremely complex. And so there's a term that's been coined, some of you are familiar with the term, but the term is irreducible complexity. And Irreducible complexity basically is stating that the cell itself, a microscopic cell, is so complex, so many different components going into that one cell, but not just is it complex, but it's irreducibly complex, meaning that every single component is dependent on every other component, and the cell could not exist without every single component being intact. So the evolutionary idea that one thing sort of developed slowly, and then after a long period of time, another element of it developed, it's refuted by this new understanding of the cell and this idea of irreducible complexity. So this is one thing. The second thing is what is being referred to as the anthropic principle. What scientists have begun to discover is that the universe, our solar system, and specifically our planet were made for us to be here. That everything is, that another, um, another name for this particular argument is the fine-tuning argument. And, and what they're discovering is that the universe is so finely tuned, it is perfectly tuned for life. And if it was just slightly off in any area, areas that we wouldn't even necessarily consider important, or, or perhaps if we're not, you know, scientific in our thinking process, we wouldn't even know about. But areas that might seem irrelevant, they're so finely tuned that if that tuning was altered just slightly, life could not exist on this planet. And so this is something that is beginning to take the scientific community by storm. Many scientists are starting to acknowledge that it does seem that the earth, the solar system, that the universe itself, it does seem that it had us in mind. And it's kind of ironic because a lot of, you know, the men who are embracing this are still holding on to evolutionary ideas. So they talk about the universe, they talk about the solar system, they talk about the earth as though it had some sort of life or some sort of knowledge or some sort of understanding that it prepared itself knowing that we were going to arrive. Why not just take the next step where, where they ought to go. But this teleological argument has really become an argument that is, is now, because of these discoveries, it is basically an irrefutable argument. But there's also 
what is known as the moral argument. The moral argument states that there must be a God to account for the universal sense of right and wrong among people. This is a common conviction. Doesn't matter where you've been at in history. It doesn't matter where you have been located geographically. It doesn't matter what your cultural background, your language, religion, none of those things matter. Everybody for all time has had very similar convictions about certain things being right and certain things being wrong. We are probably the first generation that is attempting to embrace the idea that there is no absolute truth, that there is nothing that is intrinsically right or wrong. And and that's a popular idea today. It's a popular idea on the, the university campuses. It's a popular idea in certain Uh, sections of our government. It's a popular idea in our pop culture. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, there are no true relativists. People can argue relativism. People will insist that there's nothing right or wrong. But that same person who's insisting that there's nothing right or wrong, if you popped them in the nose when you were in your discussion with them, they would protest that you shouldn't do that. And you could respond, well, why shouldn't I do it? And you know what they would say? Because it's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? You just told me there is no right or wrong. So, you know, relativism is something that you can only hold theoretically. It only works in a classroom. It doesn't work in real life. Nobody lives like a relativist. Everybody lives like there are absolutes. Of course, because there are. And so this is another one of the arguments. And then an argument that kind of leads or, or, you know, follows in sequence with the moral argument is what is known as the argument from congruity. And the argument from congruity is based on the belief that the postulate which best explains the related facts is probably true. So... In this particular case, belief in the existence of God best explains the facts of our moral, mental, and religious nature, as well as the facts of the material universe. So without this postulate, God exists, these facts, our moral nature, our mental nature, our religious nature, our material universe, without the postulate God exists, these facts are inexplicable. There's no good explanation for these things apart from the existence of God. God's existence is the best possible explanation for the existence of these things. And so that's the argument from congruity. There are several others. There's the argument from history, which is similar to the argument from congruity. But but in history, we find that man is, is a religious creature, All men are religious. All men worship something. And the best explanation for that is that there is a creator who put that desire in the heart of man when he created him. And so, you know, we could could go on further with these arguments, but we'll stop there.
For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon. Would the world be better off without religion? Does religion really poison everything? Many people today believe the world would indeed be better off without religion, and Christianity would be at the top of the list for most. In his book, Bullies and Saints, John Dixon considers these questions through the lens of Christian history. He examines the different periods of the Christian church, from its founding in antiquity to the Middle Ages, the 20th century, and what we can learn from history today. This book will challenge your thinking about the Christian church that is worse and better than you ever imagined. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.